Hello, everyone, and welcome to our webinar, Top 5 Tips for Successful BIM Implementation. We welcome all attendees, and I hope everyone is doing well and keeping safe. This is Anne-Marie Pizzatelli, and I'm the Global Head of Marketing for the Built Environment at BSI. Today's topic is of great interest as we discuss Building Information Modeling, or BIM, a tool for the achievement of increased synergy and collaboration that allows companies to become more resilient, productive, and efficient. During this webinar, we will discuss BIM, provide five great tips for implementation, and we have a great pair of subject matter experts to join us and share their experience and knowledge. I would now like to introduce today's speakers. Our first speaker is Emilia Cardamone, a Program Manager, Digital Construction at BSI. And our second speaker is Gary Pattinson, Certification Technical Expert, Digital Construction at BSI. Welcome, Emilia and Gary. Great. Welcome. Our first poll, and I'll ask Jalna to please launch the poll. Who is attending today? If you could launch the poll, uh, Jalna. Hmm. Who is attending today? Are you an engineer? Are you a project manager, a contractor, a supply chain manager, or subcontractor, or owner? Um, has the poll been launched? Um, let's see if we can launch the poll. Okay, great, the poll is in progress, and we're just collecting responses. Uh, great. I'll just give everybody a few more seconds to vote in our poll, and that way we can um, get a good range of who's attending today. I will close the poll in five, four, three, two, and one. Uh, that's great. And can we see the poll results now? Great. So it looks like we have 68% um, are engineers or designers. 9% project managers, 8% contractors, 9% supply chain or subcontractors, and 5% owners. Wow, uh, a great uh, range of uh, uh, people attending today our webinar. Very interesting. Uh, thank you for voting in our poll. And we now know who's attending today. And now we'll go to our second poll. And if we could launch our second poll and ask Jolna to do that, please. Where are you in your BIM journey? And this is a single answer. Just getting started, looking for information. Uh, maybe you're testing BIM processes in your organization. Perhaps you're using BIM as the best practice in projects, but not certified. Or you may be certified to ISO 19650 BIM. And we'll talk a little bit more about ISO 19650 today. So where are you in your BIM journey? We'll just let the audience um, have a few more seconds so that they can vote in the poll. Are you just getting started? Are you testing BIM? Are you using it as a best practice but not certified? Or actually indeed certified to ISO 19650? I'll close the poll in five, four, three, two, and one. Now let's close the poll and let's look at our results. And here are our results. 35% are just getting started looking for information. 28% are testing BIM processes in the organization. 
28% are using BIM as a best practice in projects, but not certified, and 9% are indeed certified to ISO 19650. Gary and Amelia, any surprises or comments about our second poll results? Uh, Gary here. Um, no, that looks like a, a good spread. Um, I think the, the subject content we're going to discuss today um, should hopefully have a, something for everyone, uh, for all the newcomers, as well as those a bit more well-versed in um, the processes of BIM. So um, that's that's good to see. Great. Thank you, Gary. And thank you, everyone, for taking uh, part in our polls. I will now turn it over to Amelia and Gary. Thank you very much, Anne-Marie. Can you go to the next slide, please? Well, thanks everyone for joining us today. I'm Emilia Cardamone. I'm the Program Manager for Digital Construction within BSI. So let's get started about what is BIM? Why are we talking about BIM? And how does building information modeling work for you? Next slide. Before getting started, I'd like to um, begin this presentation with a quote from a very popular architect, Frank Lloyd Wright, who said, you can use an eraser on a drafting table or a slate jammer on the construction stage. Well, you know, that really, really resonates with what BIM is and why are we doing BIM? And although Frank Lloyd Wright was um, a popular architect of the 20th century, you know, the, nowadays this sentence is more uh, true than ever. Next slide, please. And why that sentence is true? Well, it, not long ago, it wasn't uncommon for a new building to be drawn 2.5 times and the construction time to take longer um, than expected. So BIM um, is a um, solution and something that helps you define a set of processes for the definition, the production, the management and the exchange of information for the whole asset life cycle. Now, one very important thing is that you always uh, need to keep in mind that uh, you need to start with the end of your project in mind. And BIM helps support you a focused production of information, um, a trust of, on information, increase access to information, and, and stress out the importance of collaboration within the construction industry. But uh, ultimately, it helps you reduce waste, reduce time, and save money. Next slide, please. But what is building information and modeling? Uh, building information modeling is all about information delivery requirements, such as what level of details uh, must the information have, or in what format must uh, the information be developed, how should the information be classified, and together with that, also a set of information management requirements, like how should the information be coordinated, how is your delivery team selected, uh, who should approve those information. So it's all about information management, and that's something that is really important to take uh, into account and to keep in mind. Now, this list is a non-exhaustive list. Of course, there's plenty of other things, but just to give you a snapshot of what BIM is and what kind of questions BIM uh, answered to. Next question. Next slide, please. Uh, so how BIM works for you and to whom uh, BIM is applicable? Um, the adoption of BIM is applicable to those involved in the specification of a project uh, and of, a, of, a, of an appointment, such as clients, for example. 
to the management of production of information, the procurement, design, construction, and um, management and commission of the of the information and the built assets, uh, delivering the asset management, the commissioning of assets, and so on. There you can see a screenshot taken from the standard where you can see how it works. Uh, and uh, some of the roles, of course, that list you can see in this slide is not a complete list, but then you can see some of the role that BIM is applicable to. Next slide, please. Now, when it comes to standards, the uh, relevant standard for building information management is uh, the ISO 19650 framework uh, that includes uh, consistent principle, design and construction, asset management, uh, information exchange, security, and also health and safety. Now, this standard is not something to be considered on its own. Uh, it can be part of your wide asset and project management system, uh, but also um, part and complementary to the uh, your 9001 or your quality and organizational management uh, standard. And this is really important to take into account. Next slide, please. Thank you. I'll now hand over to Gary. Thanks, Amelia. Um, hi there, everyone. My name is Gary Patterson, um, based in the UK, but uh, my role is um, I work closely with um, Amelia, um, and my role is uh, the global manager for uh, BSI's BIM certification schemes. So um, I think what's important to, uh, to talk about now is um, in order for us to uh, really utilize the benefit of the BIM process, it's important that um, we define key functions and uh, the ISO 19650 standards defines these key functions and how these these, these functions interact. Um, uh, now these functions are defined in a way that allows flexibility of application, so depending on the nature and complexity of your, of, the, of your project or your asset. So we have at the heart of the project, we have what's called the appointing party. Now this is the, the project client uh, which is the you know, the the, uh, the personal organization responsible for initiating the project and approving the brief but in more general terms it's it's the receiver information concerning works goods or services uh, from what's called the lead appointed party and now in some countries the appointed party can be termed client owner employer but it's important to understand that the appointing party is not limited just just to these functions um, so next we have the uh, what's called the appointed uh, appointing party uh, sorry the um, uh, uh, yeah the appointed party. So this is a provider of information con uh, concerning works, goods, or services. Now the lead appointed party. This is the person or the organisation um, interacting directly with the appointing party or the or the client. And uh, a lead appointed party should be identified for each delivery team. So what's the delivery team? I hear everyone asking. So this is uh, this is the lead appointed party and their appointed party. So it's basically uh, the, the tier one organization and their supply chain. Now the delivery team can be made up of any size from one person carrying out all the necessary functions through to a complex multi-layered task teams. Um, the size and structure of each delivery team uh, will be in response to the scale and complexity um, of, the, of, the, of the project um, on the question. And you see that as a common theme uh, for the BIM standards is that um, there's, a, there's a strong em emphasis on ensuring that you can apply BIM uh, proportionally. Um, now, um, multiple delivery teams can be appointed by, um, uh, by uh, simultaneously or sequentially by um, the, uh, um, by the uh, um, lead appointed party. Um, and finally, we have the task teams. So th these are the individuals uh, responsible for uh, performing a specific task. 
If we can move to the next slide, please. Excellent. So now that we've defined the, some of the key functions of BIM and their relationships, we can, what we can see is when going through the standards themselves, um, the clauses within the standards are assigned against these different functions. So in this way, we have um, uh, a subset of requirements for each, each of the given functions. Um, now, ISO 19650 allows for flexibility for the appointing party to delegate information management functions to other persons or organizations within the project team. And then, when, uh, so in doing so, it's important they consider um, the uh, prospective lead appointed party or third party's responsibility, um, the authority that, that, that the appointing party will delegate, uh, the competency of the individuals undertaking that fu uh, function will need. Uh, now, where the appointing parties uh, appoints a prospective lead appointed party or a third party, it's important to really clearly define the management functions. And they can do that through the use of a inform information management assignment matrix, such as the one in Annex A of ISO 19650-2. And uh, within this matrix, you're clearly defining every clause against a given uh, function so that across the project team, there's no ambiguity and there's complete clarity about who's doing what within the project. Okay, next slide, please. Thank you. So in order for BIM to be successful, it needs to be applicable to all types and scales of projects and assets. Um, uh, this is achieved largely by the structure of the clauses within the ISO 19650 uh, uh, framework of standards and the way in which they define their requirements. So um, hopefully be aware of the, um, the kind of should versus shall statements used in, in standards. So the shoulds are the advisory best practice requirements and the shells are the, are, are the actual um, uh, uh, mandatory requirements. Now, the way in which the, um, the clauses are structured within ISO 19650 is you have a, a shell statement, so uh, uh, requesting the organization um, to, to, to carry an activity. But then within the same clause and within the second paragraph of that clause, there'll be a shall consider statement. So this is where an organization can meet the main um, main requirement of this clause in uh, by applying different um, different aspects and we can see here an example of one of those um, it's got two-part statements and you see this is a common common um, approach um, in all of the um, all of the clauses within the um, within the 19650 standards the next slide please so top tip for uh, for, for uh, number one is Understand the real and practical benefits that BIM can bring your business and make BIM business as usual, not just an extra. And the reason why we put this, this particular tip is that we sometimes see BIM treated as an, an extra, something that a charge, an additional chargeable service that you may provide to your clients. But BIM shouldn't be seen in this way. It should, you should see the real benefits in, in adopting BIM and want to adopt BIM whether or not you're asked for it because you, you as an organization see the benefit in its application. Next slide, please. So I'm gonna pass back to Amelia for the next slides. Thank you very much, Gary. Uh, now uh, we're gonna talk about what are the, what's digital transformation uh, in the construction industry, what we can see are the trends, let's say, uh, in the world. Next slide, please. Now, 
first of all, let's talk about where are we within the BIM journey and, and within the um, maturity of BIM. We used to reference to uh, BIM Level 2 back in the good old days, but at the moment uh, we, um, we are more to, moving towards uh, a Stage 2 uh, ISO 19650 framework uh, denomination of, uh, of what we are doing at the moment. And as you can see, we are not there yet in terms of being fully matured in the market, but we are at a really good stage and that there has been loads of improvements uh, um, if, if we refer to this tab uh, that you can find in ISO 19650-1. Next slide, please. Now, where are we with the BIM adoption uh, in the world? Uh, we've done a research and there you can see some links of where we found the data from. And uh, we have seen that actually Europe is pretty much advanced uh, in, in adopting BIM as business as usual. Um, some, other some countries are more mature than others, uh, but then of course in APAC uh, as well, uh, we see Russia, um, India and China uh, being at the forefront in the BIM adoption, uh, as well as uh, in America, for example, the USA, Canada and Brazil are, are starting to adopt BIM and we see a rapid increase in uh, um, adopting um, business, uh, building information modeling as uh, business as usual. Next slide, please. Uh, and now, why some of the countries are more advanced than the others? Uh, just to give you an example, we, in the UK, uh, from 2016, organisation tendering for public sectors or local authority uh, contracts, they must demonstrate uh, that they are working in compliance with PAS 1192-2 or equivalent, which means now uh, IT 1950-2. Uh, so really, there was a big push uh, here in the UK uh, from the government uh, to the organization to start adopting, to, uh, to use the standards and the best practices out there uh, in order to be able to bid uh, for a public tender. Next slide, please. But what has happened uh, in the UK has actually ha happened in a different way, let's say, uh, in other countries and, um, and in other uh, areas of the world. For example, in the UAE, uh, BIM, uh, starting from 2015, uh, was um, seen to, was, was uh, suggested uh, to be used on public sector projects above hate or area thresholds. In Hong Kong as well, um, they've adopted this threshold uh, model, but it was more related to value. Similar thing is happening in Italy, starting from 2019 to 2025, there's a phased approach uh, based on the threshold value, again, on in the public sector, uh, Germany as well, uh, within infrastructure pro projects, and so on. Like, we see these um, government mandates um, being, like, uh, um, pushed from many governments uh, around the globe. We know that in the USA, um, they are discussing these also in LATAM. So as you can see that there is a good uh, push from governments uh, when it comes to uh, BIM mandates and that really helps the adoption of BIM within the construction industry. Next slide, please. Um, what we have seen personally within BSI, uh, considering our clients, uh, is that uh, BIM is largely adopted by lead appointed parties, so tier one clients, uh, specifically le uh, lead contractors, uh, but also appointing party like clients, uh, because 
fame uh, is seen as um, something that can push the tier one companies and uh, understand they understood uh, what's behind. Uh, and uh, lately, we have actually seen uh, a much wider adoption of BIM across the full uh, supply chain uh, of the of the projects, like architects, uh, specialists, subcontractors, and also the asset management sector is moving towards the BIM adoption. So, from a client point of view, um, there has been more examples seen of clients-driven uh, um, BIM requirements, but also example of. Uh, Tier one uh, driving green requirements from a client perspective, but also uh, drilling it down through the supply chain. Next slide, please. So, tip number two don't wait to be asked to deliver BIM and start using BIM process yourself. Lead by example. Let's face it, uh, if we all wait that uh, everyone is 100% ready before any changes are made in the construction industry when it comes to building information management, we'll never get to uh, the third level that we were um, discussing before and to the perfection of uh, uh, building information modeling. So um, every one of us should play in his own part and uh, lead by example and start adopting them. Next slide, please. I'll now end over back to Gary. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. Yes, so I just want to talk about how collaboration, communication, and engagement all play a part in BIM. Um, so if you just move to the next slide, please. Hi. Um, I think we have a poll. So, um, oh, great. Yeah, if that's okay with you, Gary, I will do this next poll. And that's a really interesting one. And so the poll is why is BIM important to you and your organization? Multiple choice, multiple answer. This means that you can pick more than one answer for the alignment of all stakeholders on a project, improved information sharing and collaboration across the project using the common data environment saving time and money, aligning uh, with industry best practices, achievement of certification for recognition, and of course, uh, uh, sales uh, growth as well. So we've got some answers for you here. Why is BIM important to you and your organization? Alignment of stakeholders in a project, improve information sharing across the project using the CDE, saving time and money, alignment with the best practices in the industry, achievement of certification for recognition. So um, great question here. We, uh, we see a lot of voting going on right now. So I'll leave a few seconds so that our audience can now vote in this poll. And I will close this poll in five, four, three, two, and one. Let's close the poll now and see what the results are. And the results are, why is BIM important to you and your organization? 48% say alignment of all stakeholders in a project. 72% say improvement of information sharing across the project using the CDE. 55% say saving time and money. 83% aligning with industry best practices. That's great to see. And 28% achievement of certification for recognition. Uh, any any uh, surprises or insight from you, Gary, on the results of our poll? And Amelia? Uh, 
no other than i'm glad to see all, all the answers that are represented um because um i personally feel that uh the adoption of bim is important for all of those reasons so it's good that um they're all represented here great thank you we'll close the poll now and uh we'll go to the next slide excellent thanks Anne marie great okay so we've talked about how BIM defines a set of procedures for, um, for information management or set, set of processes. So this is all very, very good. Um, but there's more to BIM than just blindly following these processes and uh, to, to bring about positive change in the way you, you deliver your work. So, um, so some of the challenges facing your project uh, teams relate to collaboration and communication. Uh, some of these problems include uh, or challenges include uh, the size of your respective um, organization and uh, delivery teams, uh, the differences within your workforce in terms of skill and knowledge, um, the appetite or uh, inertia towards uh, inattitude uh, towards change, um, uh, market requirements and pressures, um, obviously we have um, COVID and, and uh, remote working, and also the experience of, of delivering BIM. And then, from those challenges, some of the unwanted results that, that come from that are miscommunication of requirements or instructions, loss of information, duplication of efforts, unassigned tasks and uh, unaccountability, uh, uh, contradictory conventions adopted, and general silo-based working. And all of these um, have an effect to decrease efficiency and productivity. And of course, that affects the bottom line and um, efficiency in terms of um, profits. Go to the next slide, please. Thank you. So this inertia in, in delivery practice can be seen across all the functions that we've defined. So for example, um, uh, uh, challenges within your own organization, um, challenges in supporting your clients, in helping them define realistic and clearly defined BIM specifications. So you may may not have had experiences where BIM has been um, specified within the project, but that specification is either um, incomplete or, or incorrectly defined um, or clarified, should I say. Um, and then, of course, support with your supply chain. So ensuring that all of your organizations uh, within your supply chain rise with the tide in enabling BIM projects. So uh, next few slides, I just wanted to talk about um, the challenges facing each of these three groups of, um, of, of, of stakeholders. Go to the next slide, please. So firstly, within your own organization. So challenges of adoption um, uh, you, may, you, you may see in applying BIM. So the first we find is, uh, is, um, is the need to have this internal BIM champion, someone or a group of people within your organization that really get it and understand what benefits that you as an organization can, can, can achieve in adopting BIM. Second we see is that that knowledge needs to be passed to a senior executive level, so 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 you get senior sponsorship and and, and understanding of, of of what the organisation can how the organisation can benefit. Um, then we have the adoption of BIM, so adopting BIM processes to your organisation, um, updating any IT or software uh, requirements you may have, um, changing the working culture. Obviously, that's a big thing. Um, uh, moving on to staff training, so so this may uh, require a shift in the way you deliver work, and then lastly, uh, which is maybe the hardest bit, is turning that theory into practice. 
So how you how you can make BIM really work practically um, with your organization. Once you've done that, you've then got, the, um, this is within your own organization, you then of course got your clients and your supply chain to worry about. So if we move to the next slide, please. So what are the challenges facing um, the adoption of BIM within your delivery team? So these are all the, um, um, all the task teams um, and the appointed parties that you may, you may be involved in. So firstly, each of those organizations are gonna have all of the above um, uh, challenges in red um, uh, uh, within their own organization. But from your perspective, working with the supply chains, um, typically a, these organizations um, will be will have le less resourced or dedicated resources than you, than you might have. Um, uh, they may be uh, supporting their own supply chain. Um, they may have challenges in understanding the BIM requirements. And of course, they may have challenges in delivering uh, against those BIM requirements. Go to the next slide, please. And lastly, we have the challenges for the client or the appointing parties. Um, so firstly, the role of the client or the appointing party is not a passive role. There's key responsibilities that need to be managed or delegated um, uh, when, when applying BIM. So again, all the internal challenges relate to, to, um, to your clients or your appointing parties. Um, uh, crucially though, the clients, as they're gonna be the, at the heart of the project, they really need to understand the value in specifying BIM correctly. So what, what can they, what, um, how can they benefit, um, particularly commercially from, uh, from applying BIM? They need to have a technical understanding or at least have the means of appointing a third party to support in that technical understanding. Um, they need to be able to specify BIM in a meaningful way um and uh and of course need to level up their supply chain as well so um what we see here is we have a whole host of challenges that um the industry or the sector needs to needs to address um and the standards is a is a is a, a really good way of providing that common understanding and framework in addressing some of these problems or, or challenges should i say uh, next slide please so my uh, well, our top, uh, top tip number three is, um, so be prepared to support your clients and your supply chain to get the best out of BIM. So you need to understand that um, you know, organizations are effectively just collections of, in, of individuals moving at different speeds. And um, from a BIM perspective, you're only as strong as your weak, weakest link. So it benefits the whole supply chain and the whole, the whole project um, if we see collaboration both internally within your own organization but also um, across your supply chain and supporting your clients thanks next slide please so the next thing i want to talk about is um uh the common data environment or the cde so um uh, i suspect a lot of you would have would have heard of this already some of you may be already implementing this um but one of the reasons why I want to just stress the CDE, because this is one of the um, kind of foundation, foundational uh, processes and uh, uh, workflows that are at the heart of a, of a BIM project. Uh, next slide, please. So, so you'll recognize this um, uh, slide before the, uh, 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 of the different functions within the organization. So when you have an extensive supply chain, uh, and bear in, bear in mind this uh, this could be uh, uh, could apply to a small project as well as a, a large project with a, an extensive supply chain with 
multiple delivery teams, multiple lead appointed parties, um, co complex task teams, all producing information and managing information. So we have a real risk here when uh, you're producing this, this, this quantity of information of the loss of information, um, uh, unknown information, unsearchable information, so not being able to be found, uh, the duplication of information and effort, um, how the unclear usage of the information, so um, the purpose um, to which the information was made, um, unknown ownership of the information, lack of security in the information, uh, useless or overproduction information, and out-of-date information. Now, these are just some of the some of the challenges uh, or the potential problems of working or producing the, the types of quantity of information that you guys will be producing on a given project. Okay, move to the next slide, please. So, ISO 19650 um, addresses this by um, defining a workflow. workflow they, they call it the Common Data Environment or the CDE. So, the CDE establishes a methodology for managing the production, distribution, and quality of information collected and generated and used throughout the asset lifecycle. So, important features to think about the CDE is the CDE is a workflow. Um, it's applicable um, to both the project delivery stage and the asset management phase, so the whole whole life cycle of the asset. Um, its principles are defined within 19650-1, and then the specific requirements that relate to both the design and asset management phase, design construction and asset management phase are defined within ISA 19650-2-3, respectively. And the CD solution, is, uh, so it can be both a database management um, capability of managing um, uh, files or information containers, but it's also used to manage uh, workflows, approvals, notifications, and 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 the, the kind of underlying principle of, of of the CDE is getting the right information to the right people at the right time. So it ensures that information within the CDE, so there's clarity of use. Um, the quality of information, the availability of information, the retrievability, the searchability, the security, and ultimately the trust of the information within the CDE. Okay, um, it's important to understand that um, the CDE um, uh, the, the, uh, is where we store the information model. Um, and this isn't necessarily held in one place, particularly for large projects and assets um, or widely dispersed teams. So the CD can be distributed across um, different systems, across uh, different platforms and different softwares. But the thing that glues it all together is that these these um, these systems are managing the uh, information and workflows in a co coordinated and um, uh, coordinated way, um, where all the users and um, organisations using the information uh, are, are using a common set of management processes. Okay, go next slide, please. So you may be aware of, all, uh, of of some of these states. So here, just just to give a, a kind of a slight dip our toes into um, some of the, the some of the workflows that that define the CDE. Um, so every information container or every file, basically within your CDE, uh, will be in one of four states. Um, and these these are conceptual states where we have the WIP area or the WIP state. This is where um, organisations um, have access to uh, information at a task team level. So this is where unapproved information is, is retained. Uh, we have the shared state. This is where information 
it um, uh, resides that is used for um, uh, uh, is accessible by other organizations within the, within the delivery team. We have the published state, uh, which is where information has been formally approved by the client or the client, uh, client representative, well, that's the appointing party. And then we have the archive state, um, which provides an audit trail and log of all the previous versions and iterations of files that are, that are, that are developed within the CDE. Now, each information container within the CD will have a unique ID, so that will be based on greed and documented convention. Um, uh, each each uh, each um, each will have a, st a status or suitability code, so they'll be it'll be managed using what's called metadata, um, and there'll be controlled um, access and security um, at a information container level across the whole CDE. Next slide, please. And here, um, I'm not going to go through all of this slide. I thought maybe perhaps you'd want to take a, um, a screenshot or something of it. But this kind of gives a bit more detail into the, the workflow process of the CD itself. Um, the differences between the four states, the, um, the WIP shared, published and archive, and some of the reviews and, and authorization checks that, 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 that are carried out between each of these states. Now, it's important to understand that this is a conceptual diagram and um, this, this defines a, um, a a common set of processes that are assigned to each of these states. Next slide, please. Excellent. And five, four, uh, last slide, I just want to talk about BIM software. So the CDE is, um, is a process. Now, of course, there are many CDE softwares um, that exist out there. Um, the way the way we treat software is that um, as information as, as sorry BIM is um, about information management processes, we see software as the tool to enable or support those those BIM processes. Now there are um, key processes within the BIM ISO 19650 uh, framework of standards that directly link to um, uh, software functions. So for example, common data environments that we've just um, discussed, uh, model authoring. Uh, clash detection and model coordination, uh, design and construction management, asset and facilities management, and health and safety management. So these are all, these are all processes that 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 um, are directly affected by the use of softwares. But then, of course, we have um, uh, lots of other um, software functions that exist that don't have a direct link to the ISO 19650 standards. However, they are enabled by the, by um, by BIM. So BIM BIM sets the foundation. And then these additional functions are are an add-on that you can that you can you can you can start to use. So, for example, 4D management. So that's of course time management, uh, 5D or cost management, um, enhanced visualization visualization softwares, uh, environmental modeling, and there's a whole host of other types of softwares that exist um, that support BIM processes. But the key point here is that um, BIM is about process. And the software is a tool to, to help organization, organizations enable those processes. Thanks. If we go to the next slide, please. And for my final tip, um, treat software as a tool to support your business. So um, as I've just uh, hopefully stressed, um, software is important, but it's just a tool. Um, uh, and to maximize the, uh, your BIM results, software needs to be chosen that supports your way of working and your, your BIM processes and not the other way around. So don't let the software lead you. Find the software that, uh, that um, enables your BIM delivery. Thanks. Next slide, please. 
And I'm going to move past back to Amelia to discuss the relationship between standards and technology. Thank you. Something happened. Can okay, you see the good. screen now? Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, I can see the screen. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, yes. Fantastic, thank you. Uh, can you go to the next slide, please? I think we have a poll. So, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, great, great. And uh, so if we could launch our next poll, and this is a great question for you again. What is your knowledge of the ISO 19650 BIM standards? We just talked about uh, a bit about the ISO 19650 BIM standard. Single answer here. I am not familiar with the standards. I am aware of ISO 19650, but have not read them. I have read the ISO BIM standards. Maybe you've downloaded them and read them, uh, read them, and then or we are utilizing BIM standards in our operations. So um, let's let the audience uh, take a few seconds to vote and understand the audience's knowledge of the ISO 19560 standards. So we see the audience voting. Um, some interesting results coming in. So we'll give the audience just a few more seconds and then we'll close the poll in five, four, three, two, and one. We will close the poll now and look at the results. And it looks like 20% um, are not familiar with the standards. Glad you came today to learn more about the standards. 30% are aware of the ISO standards, uh, but not have not read them. 32% have read them, very interesting. And 19% are utilizing the BIM standards in their operations. Very interesting results. Amelia, any surprises for you? Uh, no, it's not uh, a, uh, something that really surprised me. As you can see, there's basically a split. Uh, there's a 50% that is not really on top of uh, reading the standard or uh, being familiar with the standard, and a 50% that he, he has read it and he wants to read it or is already utilizing BIM standards so that uh, they are already uh, in the uh, BIM journey, let's say, uh, with the, by using uh, best practices. Yeah, no, it's not surprising, but hopefully uh, with, with this 50% uh, that is not really familiar with ISO 19650, they've got kind of a, um, a good uh, feeling about ISO 19650 and we've given them uh, enough information today. Great, thank you. I will now close the poll and hand it back to Amelia. Thank you. Next slide, please. Okay, good. Uh, so what are the standards out there? Um, um, within the UK, uh, and BSI has been kind of one of the main actors in uh, building the best practices, um, BSI has developed together with the government and, and some other uh, organization within the construction industry uh, a set of standards that is called PAST. Uh, maybe mm, some of you might have a uh, PAST 1192, uh, dash 2, and 3, 4, 5, and 6. Um, so these standards were created by BSI and they were actually free to download from uh, a website that the government and BSI had created in order to enable the industry uh, to be on top of uh, BIM procedures. And, and, um, and we've seen these being pretty successful. And actually it wasn't only in the UK that uh, 
countries were um, you know, adopting a, a best practice, but we'd seen uh, these standards being adopted uh, outside as well. But what has happened uh, starting from 2018-19, um, there has been um, some ISO um, committees that have looked into those standards and have created uh, a framework of, an in, of international standards, uh, the BIM uh, framework of standards. Uh, they are now international and we've seen the large adoption of, uh, of these standards all across the world. So whether you are in the design construction stage or in the asset management stage or in the uh, or you want to look at the security uh, of BIM or health and safety there are standards out there that can help you um, build your uh, procedures uh, and information um, management uh, within building information management next slide please Okay, so benefits that can be achieved through the adoption of BIM standards uh, and having a standard-based approach within uh, your organization is to have a common and a consistent understanding of BIM, uh, clear requirements uh, to your delivery team, uh, full BIM engagement from your delivery team, I know Gary was talking about it before. Uh, BIM implemented across the entire life cycle, so don't forget that we can apply BIM uh, from brief uh, to, to the commission of a, of a building, really. Um, standardized approach uh, adopted to delivery, so that will help clarify any doubts within the supply chain and within uh, the different organizations that are collaborating on a project. Uh, but ultimately also help maximize the benefits of BIM adoption and uh, reduce cost, waste uh, and save money as we were saying before. Next slide please. Can you hear me? Amelia, we're having a bit of technical difficulty I think uh, with... Um, yeah, can you hear me now? Um, yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Yes. So, um, uh, as I was saying, we've seen the large adoption of the standards. And, uh, uh, of course, we uh, have also certified uh, many companies all across the, the world. And we've seen best practices shared all over the places. And uh, as you can see there, we have clients in 25 different countries. We have uh, around 123, 125 clients that uh, own the Kitemark certification. But overall, we have uh, uh, more than 360 BIM clients uh, everywhere in the world, as you can see there. And you might recognize some of the big players uh, within the construction industry. So this is not just a UK story, let's say, but it is a global story and it is important that uh, every one of us play a vital role in uh, embracing BIM um, and uh, help spread uh, the best practices uh, within the uh, project delivery. Next slide, please. So tip number five, uh, has already done the hard work for you in writing the BIM standards. So all you need to do is to use them. Now it is important to understand that these standards comes from a general cons consensus of the industry. 
So the ISO committees themselves um, were um, formed by people coming from the industry. So it's not just people like us, BSI, uh, saying what to do, basically, but it's actually people that were coming from main contractors, architects, that they're all being or people, literally people like you that have been in a committee and they've put together these best practice based on their own experience and the, the common consensus and generated those ISO standards. So these guidance is there. Please, please uh, use them. Now, how can uh, BSI work with you uh, and your organization supporting your digital transformation? We are a uh, global brand, so we have um, presence uh, all across the globe, having three uh, main regional hubs in the US, in the UK and in Hong Kong. Uh, we work in 193 countries with over uh, 84,000 clients. Uh, Things that we can help you with is, of course, uh, purchasing and buying the BIM standards, uh, help you with uh, our training capabilities, so training uh, on BIM on those different standards and helping you also achieve uh, our qualifications. Uh, but also, even if you're just starting your journey uh, on your BIM journey, um, there are also introductory training that uh, we can offer. Uh, we can offer a gap assessment to your uh, organization so that uh, you can identify any gaps in documentation required by the standard. And ultimately, we can support your organization uh, with our uh, suit of certification. Uh, and we have certification for every BIM stakeholders covering design and construction, asset management, uh, security, uh, health and safety, BIM objects as well. So we also offer certification to the manufacturers uh, and ultimately something that uh, we are really proud that we've launched uh, in 2021 uh, BIM software KiteMark and that is for that certification is specific for uh, software vendors and software providers so that they can demonstrate that their software helps uh, and supports the ISO uh, 9650 adoption. Next slide please. And what we really care about within BSI, um, we normally tend to join our uh, clients to, um, for in order to celebrate their success. We have created loads of uh, case studies and brochures that you can uh, hold download from our website. But uh, we've also celebrated the success of the clients in uh, events worldwide. You can see like the, the latest one uh, there uh, on the right uh, during Digital Construction Week uh, in London in 2021. So we do really care about uh, being next to our clients, uh, have a collaborative approach and celebrate with them. Now on to another poll, poll five. and marie uh, over to you. Thank, Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Amelia. Thank you. Now we have our final poll uh, before we uh, get into our about BSI. How can BSI help support you in your BIM journey? If we could open the poll. Uh, so how can BSI support you in your BIM journey? So here we have multiple choice, multiple answers. Can we help you through standards? We talked about standards today. We talked a little bit about training. I'll talk about that in a bit. Through certification or kite mark, or maybe through materials, brochures, industry white papers, case studies, 
reports. We've got a lot of industry insight uh, and trends to share with you. So let's uh, everybody vote and let us know how BSI can support you in your BIM journey. Multiple choice, multiple answers. And um, we'll just give everybody a few more seconds to vote and then we'll close the poll and get going. So um, I'll let everybody finish voting. So we're, uh, I'll give you five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, let's close the poll and see how did we do. Um, so 52% uh, need support with standards, 65% with training, 50% certification kite mark, and 68% would like to see some of the brochures, uh, white papers, etc. Thank you, everybody. That's great information. Let's close that poll now and get on to our next slide. Uh, a little bit about BSI. Our purpose is inspiring trust for a more resilient world. We help shape and guide innovation through improving and standardizing business processes, products, and services to enable advancement. Um, uh, Amelia talked about our global footprint. We have a strong global footprint. 84,000 clients, 193 countries, and our clients range from globally recognized brands to small local businesses. Some, a little bit of information about our solutions. We've got standards. We have our training classes, virtual and face-to-face, -face, with classes for a, of a variety of ISO standards, including ISO 9001, as well as BIM classes, um, specifically for the built environment sector. We have a wide range of options for BIM, BIM training, including fundamentals, project delivery, handover information exchange, as well as professionals program. You can become a BIM practitioner or a professional with our BIM qualifications program. We also offer certification to ISO 19650 BIM verification and kite mark. Of course, we also have consulting services. If you're interested in any of our BSI solutions, please indicate this on the post-event survey, which will pop up as soon as the webinar is finished. Here are today's giveaways. We have our very popular little book of BIM with BIM acronyms explained in detail. Yeah, I know you'll need that, plus other information the BSI Perspectives Case Studies Report, and our BIM training brochure. In order to get our, our giveaways today, please complete the post-event survey uh, to be able to receive all of today's handouts. Just realized my camera wasn't on. Um, coming up, digital delivery, better outcomes through improved collaboration. Join us and Mott McDonald, one of our clients, on February 14th, where we will be discussing digital delivery and the appropriate application of technology and process and its effects on a collaborative leadership and structured ways of working. That's on our website, uh, which will be on the slide. It's on the next slide, and you can find that under events and webinars. So that's our webinar for Valentine's Day, February 14th. BSI will be at New York Build coming up March 2nd and 3rd. We will be sponsoring a booth as well as hosting an industry panel on smart buildings. So those of you in the US attending New York Build, be sure to visit us at the show. Now I think we have Q&A. So we have a couple of questions. I think we have just a couple of minutes to do a, a, some questions here. So Amelia and Gary, first question that has come in is, how do we transition from the way an office wants to do BIM to doing BIM the right way? Um, Amelia or Gary, uh, Amelia, would you like to take that one? Okay, Gary? 
<laughs> we lost Amelia right there. That's right. Uh, yes, I mean, so this I think just boils down to, um, you know, we we're a international certification body. So I I personally worked with organisations um, uh, in in the UK, within Europe, uh, the Far East, Australia, uh, the US, and one of the challenges we see is the um, the spectrum of interpretation of BIM. Um, and the understanding of what the what the specific requirements are, and this is where, of course, the ISO standards, which have been developed by international consensus, can can really help. So, um, yeah, my 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 view would always be that if you follow the standards, the the, the ISO standards, they're written in a very flexible way. Um, of course, there are there are some 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 detailed requirements, but it's written in a way that. That is really promotes flexibility of of adoption. So yeah, my my view would always be um, follow the standards. In this way, globally, we have there's a common way in which we can we can start delivering uh, projects and managing assets. I think we have time for one more question, Gary. I think Emilia may have had bandwidth issues. Um, what is the, oh you're I'm there? Back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So um, what is the timeline for ISO nineteen six fifty? certification so how long would it take from beginning to end and I know not every project is different but what would be an average well uh, it really depends on uh, how uh, the company is ready uh, how and and where are they with their beam journey uh, now what we offer within uh, our certification program let's say is a stage one uh, audit which is just going to be one day to have a look at the procedures that are in place and highlights any gaps and make recommendation uh, to look at um, some specific areas that uh, my lack of information. And then there's the specific assessment in order to gain the certification uh, that is gonna be longer depending on uh, how big the company is. Now, typically uh, it would be between four to nine months, uh, but, it doesn't mean it can't be done in three months. Uh, let's say we can assess the company in a month time and we see that everything is smooth and uh, the company is ready for the certification. Uh, it can be that we can organize a, an audit straight away and issue the certificate. Let's say typically between four and nine, but it could be less and it could be more. <laughs> Thank you, Amelia. I think we've come to the top of the hour. I want to thank everyone for attending today's webinar and thank you to our speakers, Amelia and Gary. All participants today will receive a link to the recording of this webinar, as well as links to our featured handouts, the Little Book of BIM, BIM Perspectives, Case Studies, and our training brochure. However, in order to get this great material, you must complete the post-event survey, which will pop up as soon as the webinar is finished. If you have any questions regarding BIM verification, kite mark training, or certification, or standards, please indicate this in the survey and we will get back to you right away. Once again, thank you all for attending. It's been a great group and have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.